Hello and welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. Up today, we are sharing an adoption update from Sarah, plus how we think the coronavirus pandemic has changed the future of speech therapy. So let's get to the show. Helpful, compassionate, and actionable. The SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah, and I work in private practice. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting. Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm, boundaries, and taking more time to take care of yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. And we're back and it's time to talk adoption. It's been quite a while since I've shared updates of my story here, so it's time for an update. Just as a warning, I am pretty nervous to talk about this topic because it's so personal, but it's a story that's important for me to share. So here we go. I've been in the process to adopt a child from China for two and a half years. The process has been long, complicated, and difficult. If you're curious about why I chose international adoption, or if you want to hear more, listen to episode 41 of the podcast. So I'm going to fast forward to uh, through the process, assuming you've listened to episode 41, or you just want a catch up of what's happening right now. A year ago, so in March 2020, I was DTC, which stands for Dossier to China. This is the culmination of getting the home study done, which was more than a year of paperwork for the U.S. side of things, and that's for here in the United States for our adoption uh, company to approve us to adopt, and that ended with a home visit by a social worker to tour the house, and we spent two long days being interviewed about our childhoods and what kind of parents we'd be and things like that. So after the home study process was the dossier process. That took me another six months to a year, and that's when we prepared uh, paperwork that was specific to China. And then we also started to work on immigration documentation with USCIS, the United States Immigration. That involved a trip to Portland, which is four to five hours away, depending on traffic, to get fingerprinted and photographed. So in March 2020, everything stopped. Due to coronavirus, there was a travel ban, uh, meaning you cannot travel between the United States and China. That means we can't get in and our child can't get out. The travel ban was implemented to reduce the spread of coronavirus. And while some countries like Taiwan have since opened up for adoption travel recently, China has not. We are also not getting any updates. I literally have not heard anything from China about travel in over a year. Our adoption agency is doing their best to be in communication with us with meetings for waiting parents like me every month or two, and it's better than nothing, but we really do need to hear from China. So again, it's been a year since the travel ban, 13 months so far, actually, and unfortunately, I still know nothing. 
As far as communication with our child, we can send a video to our child once a month, and we've gotten back some photo or video updates every few months or so from the orphanage, which is really appreciated. We aren't allowed to visit, send items, or do phone or video calls. Because adoptions were paused, that's the term our agency is using, our paperwork hasn't been processed in China, uh, the paperwork that we sent in a year ago. So when we sent all of that dossier paperwork in March 2020, to our knowledge, it hasn't been looked at or processed at all, and it's just been sitting there, and China has not officially accepted the match with our child. I do worry about my child during this time because I'm pretty sure orphanages are overcrowded and kids are getting less attention than usual with adoptions being paused. And I've also heard the childcare workers at the orphanages have to go on two-week shifts where they live at the orphanage for two weeks and don't get to go home and see their families. And then they get to go home for two weeks. And that's again to help halt the spread of coronavirus. So I'm guessing the workers are quite burned out as well. And that just tugs at my heartstrings. That seems like a difficult situation for the caregivers at the orphanages as well. So again, there is no news. Travel is closed, has been closed, continues to be closed, and it is because of coronavirus. And China is saying that travel will reopen someday. We haven't gotten any new news about this in more than a year again, so there are no updates. And I know people want to ask for updates, but I think unless I share an update, there aren't any. And it does get tiring month after month to say, nope, still no updates. And now we're 13 months in and still mm -hmm. no updates. Yeah, this is a difficult topic to talk about, and it is deeply personal. Sarah has been getting a lot of questions about the status of her adoption, and each time I can only imagine these questions can trigger a pang of heartache and loss. So we're going to do an episode today to share Sarah's current experience, and we'll do it in an interview style. So I'll ask Sarah the questions and she'll respond. And to start, Sarah, can you share what you would like our listeners to know about what this past year's experience has been like for you? So there has been lots of unresolved grief. And grief is tricky because I may feel fine for a few days only to feel sad and hopeless for a while after that. There are days when I question if the adoption is really going to go through, and there are times when it feels like nothing is ever going to work out. I think the context is important here. So just for context, this is two years of doing really fiddly paperwork and lots of it, having to redo it, having very little privacy, having things be in limbo. So it's not just the waiting, it's having coming out of this difficult experience and then having the waiting and the unknowing. And, you know, also for context, adoption has been hard, but so has everyday life. And I know I'm not the only one, but I've struggled with burnout this year with my work. And although it hasn't been as deep as I've experienced in the past, it's still been a struggle. I also have several people close to me struggling with significant depression, and that's taken a lot of my energy. And I've also personally felt more anxious than usual. So I don't feel like I have as many resources as I usually do. So that's been difficult. If you've had a death in the family, and my father is deceased, so I'd compare it most to that. And again, you know, my child is still alive, but it is normal and natural to feel an unresolved grief. 
um, unresolved loss. And it's okay for me to be sad about this loss of one year together, especially an entire toddler year of my child's life and all the milestones and the repercussions of that, but also that we have no idea of what's going to happen next, no control over it. And just, you know, for my own self, I do follow vaccination news. And I hope that when here in the U.S. most people are vaccinated, that travel will open up again. That's my hope. And that's what I'm counting on happening. I just don't know when. So, Sarah, you've already outlined the background story and that right now everything is currently on a standstill without any updates. So with everything at a standstill, what are you doing right now to keep your spirits up? (laughs) Crying. (laughs) No. Uh, You know, it just totally depends on the day. One thing I'm trying to keep in mind is radical self-care. And some days that feels like taking care of myself is my primary job and my full-time job. And yes, I do work full-time too as an SLP. So um, another thing I'm doing is being more vulnerable, saying to people around me, this is a hard day. Can we talk? Or this is a hard day. I can't get back to you. Uh, I also tell my husband when I'm having a hard time and we can talk about it, or sometimes I want to be distracted so we can go out for a coronavirus safe date. Um, and you know, I often just need something to look forward to. So planning a hike or a night of takeout can be helpful and also seeing the good. And every day I ask myself, okay, well, what's going right? So I had a rough day recently where for one minute I sat on the porch and felt the sun on my face and that was it. That was the one thing that went right, but it was there. And I'm also an advocate for therapy and medication if you need it during hard times. And I'm getting support where I can find it and asking for help. And what is the adoption agency doing right now to help support you and your family through this time? You know, China, adoption with China is a very old and stable program. It's something that's been going on for a long time. So I think that when there was this pause, this halting. I think that we were surprised as parents and the agency was really surprised as well. So for a lot of time of the time, there has been nothing uh, as far as, or what has felt like nothing as far as supports. But right now they are, they've been implementing regular group meetings with parents who are waiting to travel on zoom. And then, um, in the near future, they're going to start doing province specific meetings. So that's when, we'll get to meet other parents whose children are living in the same province or area as our child. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, um, because I, my mental health is not where I want it to be. This has been difficult. I do skip some of those meetings. Uh, I can be, you know, empathic and catch the emotional contagion of others really easily. So if people in those meetings are anxious or, you know, doomsday, like, Oh, this is never going to work out. I need to not attend or hang up because it really starts to make the trauma worse. Or if I'm not in a good space and I know that before the meeting, I'll ask my husband to attend alone. And my husband, Alex, is a super chill guy. So he doesn't have the same reaction to those meetings as I do. So that works well. So that's been a big support when I just can't go. And I am thankful there are these meetings and it's an option to go. And uh, there, it is nice to have regular check-ins. And something that we've talked about in the beginning is that uh, a lot of family and friends keep asking for updates. 
Would you prefer if family and friends stopped asking for those updates for the time being? While check-ins are well-meaning and come from a very caring place, they can also be triggering. So what would you like people to know or consider when they check in with you or others um, that they know who are going through a similar experience? Yeah, I'd say it's, it is okay to acknowledge like, hey, I, I don't want to ask because I know this is painful, but is there any, you know, if you're going to ask, is there any update? That's a good way to preface it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would honestly at this point prefer people not to ask because truly if there is an update, I will sing it from the rooftops. I will let everyone know. You will not, you know, everyone will know. So again, just because I'm trying to find good metaphors here, I want to compare this to infertility and trying to get pregnant. So if someone is going through infertility, don't ask them every single month if they're pregnant. That's hurtful. And they will bring up news when they have it. And you don't want to just keep bringing up something that's disappointing, that they're not getting pregnant every month. So, um, I don't know. That's an experience that I can most closely compare it to. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. And um, things that people can say. And again, this is for really anyone going through a period of acute trauma and grief, not just people who are waiting, you know, to travel to bring home their children. So here's some helpful things, hopefully. Uh, You can say, I'm thinking of you. Send a card, send a drawing, maybe that your kid made for my kid or um, make a silly drawing for me. And, you know, after the racist attacks in Atlanta and seeing the racism against the Asian community, honestly, that's the point at which I lost what little hope I did have. And I've been struggling. So lately a local friend sent me a gift certificate to my favorite smoothie shop. And I, when I got that email gift certificate, I just, cried a few tears of just gratitude. It was such a small gesture that I'm not being forgotten and it meant so much. Uh, So if you're listening, chances are you don't know someone in my exact situation, but chances are also that you've dealt with grief and loss or you know someone who's going through trauma, grief and loss. So that's why I wanted to mention some suggestions. And, you know, lately I have been sad and angry about the racism against Asian Americans and the Asian community, violence focused towards the Asian community and what that means for my child and my own family. And um, of course, your child is the person you most want to love and protect. You want them to have a good life. And knowing, of course, I already knew, but um, the basics, but really seeing that racism right now, seeing so much anti-Asian hate, bias, and racism has been difficult. And that part I cannot describe in words. I've just been really trying to take care of myself, produce less, conserve more energy and take care of myself and my family right now because things are difficult. And is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know? Yes. uh, China adoptions are not closed. That is a myth that's going around. They're again, halted, temporarily paused. And we do have every indication that China will also accept our match. We were matched with our child about two years ago once travel resumes. So what we were told when things closed down is that um, they will start processing paperwork again when travel opens. So I do have, you know, hope 
for and dream of the day that Alex and I will get to go to China and return as a family with our child, but that doesn't make the waiting easier. I also have my good moments and bad moments. I write our child letters on the holidays that they can read when they get older. I am cultivating a kid book collection for my little one. And I do what I can, but I'm not happy all the time and I shouldn't have to be. And I'm not hopeful all the time and I shouldn't have to be. It feels lonely to go through a grief that most people don't understand, but it's also been wonderful to have a few friends like you, Sari, who accept where I am and you sit with it. You don't expect me to change, whether I'm feeling happiness and joy or whether I'm feeling pain and sadness. You don't pressure me to change. I also did want to mention that I don't talk about my child. Uh, specifics about my child include including using like pronouns or names or ages, because especially for children with transracial adoption, uh, the world writes their narrative for them. Uh, and I will absolutely share my personal experience about adoption in hopes to be an adoption advocate, but my child's experience is theirs alone to share. And so I don't plan on, you know, in the future sharing photos or names or anything about my child. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'd like our listeners to know. And, Thanks for sticking with me. This is a draining, difficult topic to talk about, but I loved your questions, Sari. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah, so much for sharing all of this with us today. I know that it was really hard to talk about, and we're all hoping that updates come soon and that a plan gets back uh, put into place to unite your family as soon as possible. And while coronavirus has changed many of our lives forever, such as in Sarah's example, as we've been reflecting on this working year and all the things that we've learned, Sarah and I have been talking a bit about how much speech therapy sessions have changed. In a more lighthearted segment, we are glancing into our magic eight ball to guess which of the things that are new in the speech therapy world will stand the test of time and which changes are just temporary. Okay. So I used to love the magic eight ball. <laughs> Me too. Um, so yeah. And I wanted to do this also because I wanted kind of a fun segment to lift our spirits and our listeners' spirits as well. So we don't know what's going to happen in the future of the profession, but these are just some fun guesses because I think this time will absolutely change how we all do speech therapy in the future. So my first prediction that is as families get more comfortable with virtual learning, it's possible that if kids are sick, they may participate in speech via video, even if they stay at home from school. Uh, and then I don't think this will become mandatory, but it could be a possibility, especially for kids with chronic health issues. Uh, on a related note, my second prediction is that some snow days or other weather-related closures may be a thing of the past. Um, now that we've become more practiced in virtual schooling and we know uh, we have platforms and systems set up, we may have virtual school days instead of weather-related closures. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Also, I'm really not sure if green screens are just a passing fad. I hope they're not. But I do think that there will be a lot more use of digital platforms like Boom for interactive learning activities. And I think that the boom company will start having more competition for that. I know Teachers Pay Teachers is developing their own learning platform, which seems to currently not have a ton of features, but I think they'll get there. 
And I think that more businesses will see that this is um, there's money to be made there. So I'm guessing there will be innovation uh, and more robust features for online learning and speech therapy, so games and activities, and also more companies that are like Boom with interactive learning platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had a green screen p- prior to the pandemic, and I used it for social role play videos with my middle school students, but I honestly didn't use it for much else. Um, so I don't predict that I'll use it as much when we return to in-person, but I do predict that I will use some of the green screen activities that I projected as virtual backgrounds in my speech room still. Um, so I had not done any type of teletherapy prior to the pandemic, and there are definitely a few things that I'm going to throw out there as guesses that I think or hope will stick around. So the first one is uh, Zoom meetings. I, um, as I've talked about before, I serve multiple school sites. And in the past, I've always tried to make meetings in person. And I would call in as a last resort. So I predict that one of the changes that will come or maybe stick around is that virtual meetings may continue as an option for attendance, especially for folks like me. Um, and it will add It'll feel more personal attending virtually than over a phone call. So I hope that it stays around for me. And then also maybe even for families who struggle to get into the school due to access to transportation or whatever it is. And uh, maybe virtual meetings will be an option for them as well, which would be pretty cool. Okay. Uh, My second prediction is that working from home may continue to be an option. I think working from home will not be viewed with such a mistrustful eye in the future. And I predict that maybe during professional development days or paperwork days, it may continue to be an option next year to do your job from home rather than have to go on site, which would be lovely. And my third prediction is I think more SLPs will be open or interested in teletherapy than before. I did not think that I would enjoy it as much as I have. I tend to like to do a lot of activities in my speech sessions uh, that involve movement. And uh, it's fun when we're all in the room together, I guess. And it also makes things easier when students need tactile cues, or maybe you need to use a tongue depressor to see what's going on in their mouth. It's easier to do those kinds of things in person, obviously. But still, The biggest thing that I've loved about teletherapy is getting the families involved and seeing how much they have stepped up to help their kiddos practice more than they ever did when they didn't see what we were doing in speech. So that has been a huge perk for me doing teletherapy this year in the child's home is getting the parents more involved in the speech sessions. And I will definitely consider doing teletherapy more in the future. Hmm. That is fun. And I like that, uh, you know, some of our ideas were similar, but they were quite different. So Mm -hmm. it was fun to see yours. So although neither one of us would have wished for this pandemic, it was fun to think about how this pandemic has changed uh, the future of speech therapy, because it will, and kind of putting our, our guesses in the basket or in the hat. So that was a fun segment. And before we go, we wanted to share three good things in our lives right now. At a time when things feel so heavy, it can be difficult to recognize the good. So this is our attempt to do this and to share good things that we can see. What's good for you, Sari? 
Okay, so the first uh, thing that has been good is a purchase my husband got for me because apparently during the pandemic times, I lose my car keys a lot more. Not sure why. Maybe it's because I don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, or maybe it's because I'm not used to packing things as much, uh, putting everything together. So I don't always put the key back where it should be. So uh, my husband bought me one of those. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a key fob that goes on your key and it uh, connects to an app on your phone. So when you lose your keys, you just hit the phone app and the the little key fob beeps at you so you can find it. And that I had, I didn't want to admit it. I was really grumpy with him for getting this for me because I felt like he was giving me a hard time for being forgetful, but I've used it at least 10 times since he got it. <laughs> so it's turned out to be a good thing. Um, uh, the second good thing is beachcombing. The ocean is always relaxing and uh, the trips that we've been able to do during this pandemic have been to the coast. And I really just enjoy walking down the beach and looking for seashells and agates. And uh, it's been something that is bringing me joy these days. And the third good thing is I... I don't know if I told you this, Sarah, but I have not bought any clothes, new nice clothes during the whole pandemic, with the exception of like socks. I think it's because I wasn't going anywhere and I was just didn't feel motivated to buy anything nice and new. But for the first time in a while, I decided I deserved some new clothes and I bought myself one of those uh, subscription boxes to get mailed to my house. And uh, it was so much fun to try on some new clothes and, and have a few new things. So that definitely brought me some joy. I would love it if you would show me those. I want to see it. I want to <laughs> see them. I just bought myself um, like boyfriend jeans that are ripped because I realized all my jeans are skinny jeans, which is the true mark of a millennial. Right? <laughs> so they're coming in the mail today. So uh, yeah. Fun. Okay. All right. For me, I've really enjoyed finally seeing friends who've been vaccinated. I have quite a few friends who are also speech language pathologists or SLPAs and being able to see them face to face has just, words cannot describe how wonderful it's been. So thank you, modern medicine. Thank you, science. Uh, going on walks now that weather the weather is nicer, but I do have to also admit that I don't know. I've just had this thing lately where I'm like, oh, going for a walk is hard or, oh, I don't have time. I've been talking myself out of it more often, but when I go, it's been great. And baking, I'm still working on perfecting my lemon sugar cookie recipe. And currently I'm experimenting with an olive oil uh, based lemon sugar cookie and still working out that recipe. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be a taste tester if you need okay. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's it for today's show. In this episode, Sarah shared about the status of her international adoption and what the experience has been like for her family having everything be put on hold or paused during the coronavirus pandemic. We also chatted about how the coronavirus has impacted our work as SLPs and what changes we predict will remain in place in the future. Sarah guessed that virtual learning platforms may remain in place for students who may temporarily need to be out of school, that snow days may be a thing of the past, and that virtual learning tools like boom cards and possibly green screens will continue to play a large role in our speech room materials. 
and I predicted that virtual meetings will continue to be utilized, that working from home will be more available, and that more SLPs will be open or interested in delivering teletherapy services. As always, if you want links to anything we discussed today, find the show notes on our website at www.slphappyhour.com and click on the show notes tab. This episode is sponsored by my childhood apraxia speech bundle. Are you looking for an apraxia bundle that targets your most common goals? Are you looking for a low prep or no prep functional bundle for your students with apraxia? This bundle has more than 100 pages and targets core words functional words and phrases, word shapes, multisyllabic words, includes a homework packet and practice with vowel sounds. If you want the packet, you can visit the link in our show notes or find SLP happy hour at teacherspayteachers.com. To get on our email list for newsletters, lazy lesson ideas, and other freebies, go to www.slphappyhour.com newsletter. You can also find us on Instagram as SLP Happy Hour, or check out the show notes or our blog on the website. Before you go, would you consider rating and reviewing the podcast? This helps like-minded SLPs to find the show, and we read and do a little happy dance for every single review. So thank you. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening in just as much as we enjoyed recording it. We hope that this episode has been a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.